It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long. And you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Michaela, Isaac, and Caleb. Listen in as they discuss the 1973 film, Female Prisoner Scorpion, 701's Grudge Song. Strong tonight. I don't even know what I could have. I guess pure mouthwash might be a good idea and bleach. Oh, what are you, Stephen King on the set of uh, Maximum Overdrive? He didn't have bleach, did he? No, it was because uh, he was filming in a dry county, but he was such an alcoholic that he was just buying bottles and bottles of mouthwash and drowning it back. That's uh, that's the way to go. My poor brother. <laughs> but I also might want to light some up on fire and like put them down my gullet and see if I burn as well. Cause Jesus, wept this movie really did a number on you. I mean, you better get this started here. Do your little intro and you can explain. Cause damn, <laughs> that was the intro. No. <laughs> I hope I hooked everybody in for this one. Cause um, my emotions are on my sleeve, <laughs> literally. So. Female Prisoner Scorpion 701 Grudge Song. Why is it 701? Is it just literally her number? Is that. Yeah, that's her prison number. Is there some significance to that? Is that like, you know, a, a big year in Japan or big number? No fucking clue. Got it. <laughs> I think it's just her prison number. But yeah, which, by the way, it's a great title. I mean, 701's Grudge Song is a good way to kind of go out for Mako Kaji. I love the name. I love the title Grudge Song. Grudge Song is. It could be my. I, I want a tattoo of that. I want that as an EP. I love the title. I think that's kind of one of the best parts of the film. I agree, and it reminds me very much of the sequel to Lady Snowblood, another Mako Kaji franchise, mm-hmm. where the sequel is called Love Song of Vengeance. Wow. And it's also not a great movie, but a great title. So <laughs> hopefully Mako Kaji was the one making the calls, because, yeah, good titles all around. Even the third one, Beast Stable. I don't quite get what it means, but I think it's a cool title. A stable full of beasts, I assume. <laughs> well, I, I guess, but like everybody in that movie is not. I I didn't hate that movie, but like that everybody in that movie is like a beast, and they're all in a stable. <laughs> Whatever bullshit you can come up with, I'll accept it. Ah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, here we are again. Um, yeah, and Isaac is apparently has uh, this movie really did a big number on him, so I'll let you go first with the. Uh, initial thoughts because i'm very curious well i gave, i was giving it the benefit of the doubt i was i was watching it and as as a normal person would just seeing what's what's happening and i guess this is the mad max franchise of like oh yeah this is the fourth film no this is not fury road but well <laughs> for me it felt like fury road that's all i'm gonna say not not the, i mean i mean the title not the not the movie itself but like fury okay. as in i had fury and i was on a road <laughs> if that makes sense <laughs> But, you know, it starts out fine where I, I just mean where each movie she's always like this. We're going to continue this song and dance. So 
are you okay with superheroes having to, you know, fight crime, put the bad guys in jail, and then they escape and goes on for eternity, and this is, you, you finally crack at this? I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I have no idea. Well, again, I always do question how the, uh, how the acting is on this, and I don't mean, like, bad or anything. I just mean, like, there's some, there's some close things, there's some, uh, close encounters of, like, I gotta wonder if there was consent on the set, or if they were really like you know, throwing those hands a little bit to the left. Because um, some were some there were some scenes that I was just like I don't know about that. That's a little crazy. But we begin the movie and we end the movie in the same shot, and what happens in between? Ugh, a whole lot of stuff. That's my initial thoughts. That's what the podcast for all the stuff in between. Exactly. How, about, how about you, Michaela? You know what? I think I really, really wanted this film to be a redemption arc from the last fucking film. So in some cases, like when there was stuff to chew on, I was like, yeah, I'll bite and I'll really chew on this. And this is, wow, this is amazing. But like, I don't think, I think I'm making the film more than what it was. And I think that's kind of the best way to kind of open up into everything. (laughs) If that makes sense. Where it's like, oh, the film was so bad last time. It was so, so like, in my opinion, it was so, so fucking just not, not, not anything like the first film or even the second film. And I needed, oh, I think last time a big complaint of mine was like, oh, I needed something kind of like just very, like very visually strong. So whenever something visually strong happened in this film, um, I was like, oh, yes, bring it, bring it. But it never quite got there. If mm-hmm. that yeah, it's a movie that really works in moments, but overall is just, just another kind of failure, at least in my opinion. Which is too bad. All the other ones I had had some reason to go back to mm-hmm. after my first viewing, but this one for this podcast was the second time that I've watched it, because anytime I reach for it, for whatever reason, I just don't have the heart to revisit it. And I always kind of thought maybe it was because this one wasn't directed by the same guy, Shuni Ito. I'm not even sure who directed this one. But there was just something that just felt a little bit... I don't know what. It just didn't quite feel like it was in the same universe as the other three movies, I thought. Hmm. Did you guys guys get that sense at all when you're watching it? Or, (laughs) like, for for example, the fact that we have a male character in this who's... Even though he kind of ends up being not necessarily a scumbag, but ends up being someone that Matsu needs to get revenge on by the end. It was definitely a big change to see some sort of positive male figure in the franchise, because we definitely did not get anything like that in the previous three movies. So I thought that was a big change. Yeah. I mean... Okay, so if we were to talk about changes in this film in comparison to the other films, I think it's really cool how... Uh, what's his name? Kudo? The... Mm-hmm. Yeah how we see him being brutalized by the police, but he's not like, it's, he's still kind of like a cool guy, if that makes sense. Like he's, he's kind of portrayed the same way that Matsu is portrayed or any of the other like women that like get brutalized by the police where it's like, oh, they're cool for enduring the pain of the police or they're, they're cool because they're so tough because they're enduring the pain from the police, whatever. Um, where, uh, like, and it was a really cool, um, kind of, I guess what I liked about it is that they didn't emasculate him a lot in this film. Like, he was still kind of a cool guy, if that makes sense. 
So mm-hmm. in that sense, I really do like the sense that like, oh, the police are shitty to everyone, not just women. It doesn't make it better, but it's like, oh, here are some ways that the that the internal world, like the world logic of the movie, kind of makes more sense in the context of like the real world. If that makes sense. Yeah, the first three feel like they took place in some sort of weird Shunya Ito, like David Lynch kind of like fantasy world. Like nothing really felt like it was the real world. This one feels much more grounded. Mm. Um, I feel like it kind of loses its way once we get to the prison stuff. That feels a little bit more fantasy land, but mm. but it definitely feels like it's stepping away from the surreal aspect of the first three. Yeah, for sure. Isaac, uh, did you have any thoughts about the whole world or like what changed in this film? One, uh, we open this movie off with a scene in a church, which, and not just any church, but it has a cross on it, so it's clearly a Christian based church, whether it's Catholic or Orthodox, who knows. That's one reason to, why this movie isn't good. Because <laughs> Christianity in Japan. That's that's not how that works. They they don't like Christianity, so why is that there? That that shouldn't be there. There's still Christians in Japan. <laughs> very very little, um, a teaspoon and a whole sea of of red. What I thought was more strange is that every room they went into, there was a new bride. There's something with that where it's like they had a mass. It was, it was almost like a Vegas church where they were basically going to have like wedding after wedding after wedding after wedding, but except instead of like you know. It being, well, it's already like, um, what is it? It's already sacrilegious because you're not supposed to have Christianity in Japan and all these oh. people are there and you're wearing white. And, I don't, and what was Matsu doing there? You know what? I'm going to put my foot in my mouth and say that you're not supposed to wear white uh, at a wedding in Japan because white is, for recall correctly, oh, is traditionally, yeah. as we see at the end of this movie, uh, white is clearly uh, what is used at funerals instead. So why are they wearing? In fact, I believe it's black that they're sh- they should be wearing. I could be wrong on that. I just thought it was strange that Matsu seemed like she was part of like a wedding party. Yeah. I was like, how did this happen? What what's the story mm-hmm. behind this scene? It's in the comics. Who knows? It'll exp- they always explain everything away. Um, I am going to explain something where in Japan, like Western, the idea of a Western wedding is uh, kind of borrowed from um, around the. Uh, war era I figured. where yeah a lot of western traditions uh, such as the white wedding dress and the tux and t- everything like that um they were being transferred over so it is an interesting op- observation to say that yes they're wearing white so that could be foreshadowing the end of the film or whatever but it's also it's also like totally normal it's also it's not like uncanny like i guess to keep up with like traditional japanese shintoism or anything else then they would be wearing like the wedding kimono with like the very like pinned up hair, um, and it'd be like, it'd definitely not be held at a church. But in this case, in the context, knowing that this film was made in the seventies, the eighties, um, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and then like a dozen cops just fill in and just start attacking everybody. Like that's the that's the funny thing about the cops in this is every time like one of them shows up, there's like twelve other ones behind, and they all just start beating everyone up. It's like what the fuck. Really makes you despise them. They're like this weird mob running around. Hey, they're not wearing they're not wearing body armor. <laughs> you gotta say that they're not even wearing uniforms. They're just wearing like normal uh, formal suits. They're not like the cops here, where they're not wearing riot gear or anything like that. I started writing my notes during that scene. I'm like, why is this like? Why are these mobsters attacking all these people at this wedding? And I was like, oh wait, they're cops. But I guess mobsters, cops, a eh, pretty similar type of deal, <laughs> at least in this universe. And 
in certain other universes as well. No matter no matter what cop it is in the in the world, you always just distrust cops. It doesn't matter like if they're wearing a uniform in casual gear or even if they're in riot gear and geared up like they're in the army and ready to wage war in urban combat. You you just don't like cops. Oh, me in, me in particular. Yes, yeah, so the audience. Well, yeah. yeah, that's that's certainly fair. Yeah, it doesn't matter what they're in. You don't <laughs> like cops. I've certainly had many, many bad experiences with cops, but not the type of bad experiences that people experience from these cops, because god fucking damn. Yes, this is, these are fake cops, but anyway. Wow. So, the lead detective, or inspector, mm. in this movie, also, for some strange reason, again, I don't know if he's a previous actor from, another actor from a previous film in the series, but he looks like, again, Japanese Pedro Pascal. I don't know what it is, but he. Yes. I'm not. I'm. I'm not looking at him past it. it he is Pedro Pascal, uh, no. Japanese form, of course. Literally, fa- same facial structure. Similar facial structure, but the features I don't. I don't quite see it. Mikhail, do you see it? I know you have a certain affection for him, so. Pedro Pascal, but more over like I think he looks like another character or another person that he. That I really love, another actor I really love. Oh, what's his fucking name? Uh, it's not Pedro Pascal, but he's also a Star Wars franchise guy. He's the Mandalorian, um, but also in Narcos, and also. Oh, uh, that's Pedro Pascal. That's not Pedro Pascal. Is it Pedro Pascal? Yes, the Mandalorian. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, who am I? Oh, I'm thinking of Oscar Isaac when you're saying. <laughs> no. I mean, both Hispanics, so that's that's fine. And another another highly attractive man. I mean, goddamn. Yes. That makes it worse. You realize how that makes it worse in, on my part. Um, <laughs> Only slightly. Caleb, all the Hispanics are good looking. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, no. I totally, I totally agree. I totally agree. He's got like this ruggish thing about him. Um, he looks like a handsome rat sometimes. Like totally. Yeah, it. He he doesn't have quite the same kind of malicious charm as the first detective. Like you really despise that guy in that first movie. This one, I just kind of wanted him to get off the screen. I just wanted him to go away. Mm. I don't know. He he didn't quite sell his role. I thought. Mm. I didn't feel like uh, Kudo sold his role very well either. Admittedly, I, he also kind of struck me as flat. Most of their scenes, I always felt like Matsu was the one kind of carrying it. Which is funny because she never talks. Yeah, until the end. But yeah, during their scenes. Well, what did you guys think of the Kudo character in this movie? Because he's almost the lead for at least half of it. Yeah. First off, is he? Is he? of aboriginal descent um and i do mean like the i forget the um the aboriginals on the island of japan but they're yeah, I, I knew i knew okay so i knew thank you yeah i i know you know that but like i knew i want to say that's he's i knew because he doesn't he's, he's a lot more darker skinned than other japanese people are i don't know I've, maybe that's just my i immediately look at that and say oh yeah he, he looks native but I, I i could be wrong with that i i thought it was the makeup but oh they like made his eyes really dark i, I thought it was more of a look for just showing that he's kind of like beaten down kind of person but maybe oh, that was just my interpretation i don't know i think it was quite, actually quite like asian people can be 10 it's it's not not that's true yeah <laughs> And, like, a lot of the women in this film are very pale because that's that kind of was the beauty standard at the time. Okay. Um, but especially in Japan, I think sometimes in the 70s, they really did embrace, like, the whole natural thing. Like, very much echoing what happened in America. Um, and that went full nosedive in the 90s when they thought the Japanese convinced themselves there were a whole bunch of, like, Hawaiian beach bunny people. Oh. Um, so, 
Like, it's totally, I don't think he is of Aboriginal descent. I have not taken a look at his Wikipedia page. But yes, I think he is rugged and he's supposed to look more um, out of the norm okay. than, like, the conventional standard of beauty. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I could be wrong on this. I Usually when I think of Japanese people, I do think that they're a lot more light-skinned. Uh, but you know what? That's true. I mean, a lot of, there could be, he could be of Thai descent as well, where, or Filipino descent. Yeah, I thought it was, because he's supposed to be kind of like a male kind of version of Matsu, at least early on, where he also experienced extreme abuse by the authorities and kind of, um, what's the word, kind of like tucked into himself. Like there's that whole scene when he's working at that porno theater. Or I guess not quite porno theater, it's like more like a live sex theater. Mm. And that one uh, woman working there is like, hey, I heard you don't like girls, let me try to convince you otherwise. And he just doesn't even say anything. He's just sitting there kind of like a robot, kind of like how Matsu is a lot of, a lot of the time. Hmm. And so I thought, yeah, the makeup was just kind of more to show that he's kind of like a dark figure. But I got to think about that scene. Pardon me. I got to think about that scene. Right when we start with that scene, not with, with him, but the first scene when we see the two ladies kissing and we see a mirror, I literally thought it was like one girl kissing the mirror to like have... <laughs> I thought the same thing. Fellatio with her with herself. I'm like, okay, oh. that's 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 creative. I'll I'll give him that. I don't know about Felatio, but I definitely did think that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that character. I don't know how I feel about him because that's probably my favorite section of the movie. Is him and Matsu kind of coming together? But I, I don't know. It also feels like a maybe a betrayal of the last three movies. Like, her having this weird romance. Like, their whole sex scene, I thought, was super awkward and strange. Was there a romance, though? Because it just seemed one-sided. Like, he was falling for her, and she literally, like, just stood there motionless the whole time. No, I... I that's the thing about Matsu. She's so subdued. Like, um, there's that scene where he shows her his scars from when the police beat him up. And she has, like, a slight smile at the scars. And she's like, oh, someone else has experienced abuse, just like me. Okay, you're right. And he, like, hands her that lemon... And she, like, holds onto it and, like, cherishes, like, oh, wow, someone gave me something. Treated me like a human being. <laughs> She's just so gone that you, you almost couldn't tell how much it, it's actually affecting her. And that's why she gets her vengeance at the end, because she's like, oh, like, I thought that we were something, and then you betrayed me, so I guess I have to kill you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't shoot you. The, the Matsu that loved you shot you or whatever. Yeah, which, yeah, I didn't know how I felt about that line. It just seemed a little... I didn't think she needed to say anything, but but she does get quite talkative at the end, so that's that's something. Yes, at the end. <laughs> okay, well, what what do you think his plan was, by the way? What was his plan? Because I really wanted to see what that plan that he had initiated was, and then all of a sudden it's like, nope, you guys failed. Go in the other direction. Back to prison with you. I didn't know either. What was in that suitcase that he grabbed? Did you guys catch that? Different shipments each week or something like that, and I'm like... I missed it too. I was confused. I thought they were pointing out like a nuclear power plant. I'm like, oh, are we like threatening Japan with nukes already? Like, I that's that's insane. But I didn't think so. Yeah, it was it was during when I was watching that scene that we kind of rescheduled when we were going to start the podcast, and I was like, oh, should I rewind it? And I'm like, oh, I'm sure I didn't miss anything. And so I maybe maybe I missed something that I I shouldn't have. But did did you catch Mikhail what the suitcase was about? No. <laughs> 
Okay, this is what I hate about this film. The reason why I don't really like this film and why, like, I just really needed visual spectacle is that the plot is nothing. The plot is absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's, it's not. <laughs> Takes a backseat. It's barely a plot. It's like, oh, okay, Matsu's hiding, and then she's not hiding, and they want to kill her again, and then she's <laughs> then she's gone. Like it's, <laughs> um, and and that's why it was just really hard for me to kind of just pay attention to what's happening. And there's just so much talking and talking, and it's so, it's so useless because it has nothing to do with Matsu. We get into like Kudo's whole emotional arc where it's like, oh, here's my mom, and if you give up like not like Matsu's location, then like you're a good man or whatever, and like. And the whole time, I'm like, why the, why do I care about Kudo? There wasn't enough like, like intimacy fostered for me to like be like, oh yeah, Kudo's a good guy, and like I want him and Matsu to like end up together. It wasn't even good as a satisfying like romantic plotline. Mm-hmm. So like, whenever something visually interesting happened, I'm like, okay, finally, this is something I can use to pay attention to the film. But there's literal plot points that I'm like, I can't even tell you what happens specifically in the film sometimes because it's like it doesn't matter it literally doesn't matter it, it, it only kind of facilitates the plot a little bit but it has no like actual weight on like oh this is going to change matsu as a person because it doesn't no. um or it's to um it's going to affect the plot in like a really dire way because it doesn't like it, it's just that's my frustration i think with the last couple films where it's like I really just want something to be there, and it's not delivering. Yeah, like that that sex scene, which was super super awkward and weird. <laughs> I think they were trying to. Um, I think that's the point I wanted to bring up earlier. I think they were trying to make allusions to the first movie's first sex scene, where it's just like, oh, it's it's like a repeat of Matu like trying to be vulnerable and having sex, and like it ends up being a man that ultimately betrays her again. Like that's a kind of. Like that, bringing back that visual motif of like spilling or like whatever it was. It was black and then red um, on a, like a white sheet of cloth while they were having sex. Like, I think that was smart and I really liked it. Um, I just didn't know what they were trying to say with it. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't think of the callback to the first film, but yeah, you're right about that. And they do call back again, too, and she stabs him and they like keep flashing this green light over their faces, which is a callback to kind of her revenge motif in that first movie. But I just thought it was weird because after the sex scene, they're both laying there looking like super dead inside. And he's like, I didn't feel alive until I met you. And I was like, you don't feel alive now. You still feel like a super flat character. So and she was constantly flat. So I was like, are they trying to say this romance is bringing them back to humanity? Because it's not coming across at all that way. But <laughs> what was the symbolism for the lemons? <laughs> Yeah, I wrote in my notes. I'm like, why are they eating lemons like apples? Like, what is this? <laughs> maybe <laughs> if maybe he's like, you know, taking a chomp out of uh, the side, and then just spitting out the peel, and then eating the lemon from the inside and sucking it. Maybe. Mm. Yeah, I don't imagine that'd be very good, but maybe I'm eh, wrong. I could I could see it being okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wow, we really have nothing to talk about with this Well, I, I have, obviously, the other two things that I want to bring up. Yes. Feel free to bring them up, because, yeah, I don't know where to go from here. I've got some things I want to talk about, but not a fuck ton, so... Okay, well... Let me just pour some more booze for myself as we continue on here. <laughs> I'm probably 
an inconsiderate guy. As in, I didn't have much emotion, or at least I, I don't know if I was... I got riled in the first movie when... Oh wait, I forgot. In the in the scene when they have sex, like the and and we go we cut to like the paint drops or watercolors, whatever it is. We get the flag <laughs> of Japan. I don't know what that means. That's symbolism, thematic, due to narrative distance. I have no idea. But in the first movie, when Matsu is getting assaulted by her cop boyfriend, I don't. I didn't exactly. I'm gonna say I didn't feel anything for her, but I I just watched the scene as a matter of fact. By the boyfriend or the, like the gang that he leaves him leaves her to. Uh, or I guess the gang that leaves her to. Again, this is the first movie, and that scene should have riled my emotions and made my blood boil, as it should. But I don't know what it was about uh the, in, the the inspector in this movie's wife uh yeah the inspector in this movie's pregnant wife and then the oh. warden at the end that that just made my blood boil oh was the wife pregnant i didn't notice that she was pregnant yeah the one that they just tossed out the window accidentally yes even though i know it was meant to be accidental but it totally looks like kudo just like threw over the balcony <laughs> I think it was just a fuck up in the direction. But it totally looks like Matsu is like trying to pull her back and then he just throws her over. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I, I just feel... Why, why those two scenes made me like... And not even that. The, the warden getting assaulted scene, I saw coming. And yet at the same time when it was happening, I was like, but, but why? Yeah, I... I wrote the same note, and I'm like, fuck this movie for putting this scene in here, because it's super grotesque. Like, they've had some pretty ugly rape scenes in this franchise, but this one felt so, like, superfluous. Like, it it really didn't feel like it needed to be there. And distasteful. It was super gross. Yeah, it was really unpleasant, I thought. In the other movies, they had so much artistic value that you could kind of be like, okay, like, especially, like, Matsu's original rape scene. Like, the fact that we focus on the, kind of, the faces of the perpetrators and it's kind of showing like how hideous this scene is there's something about this one that i just it super put me off but can you make an assault artistic though pardon me for interrupting i I thought they did it well with that first one i just mean in general like in general can assault be artistically shown to answer your question i think there is a way to portray assault in a way that isn't like just gratuitous okay. or performative. Um, like, I mean, if that's the point of the scene, I think it's totally fine. Where uh, very much in Ichi the Killer, another horror, J-horror film, I, well, I, I, it's the only horror film I actually had to turn away from because the, the sexual assault scene in that film <sighs> was so vivid and so graphic. And you had to, like, like the camera zoomed in on like her face. Like it was, it was awful. Yeah, awful. truly awful. Yeah. But, like, I think that was the point. That was the point of the sexual assault scene. Now, if the point of the sexual assault scene was to demonstrate how evil the other person was or, like, how traumatic this event was, like, I mean, there are, there are different ways to portray trauma than, you know, very graphic depictions of it. Yeah. 
Um, I think this film does it kind of clumsily because it's it's like, oh yeah, they're ripping off everything off her. Like maybe not with the Matsu scene, but like I, there's another like gratuitous rape scene with um, they like rip off her dress and then her underwear and like everyone's just watching. Um, I can't remember which character they. That's the warden, I believe. Yeah, the warden. Okay. That's the one I'm talking about. Like, I mean, I think as an exploitation film with like, oh, who's going to be watching this? And if it's just going to be a bunch of like lonely dudes who spent like five, five bucks to like watch this thing at like 2 p.m. <laughs> sure, whatever. Sure. That's if that's the audience you're purely catering to. But I think if they if the director really wanted to portray trauma in a sense that made sense to the plot, there are so many different ways to do it. You can do something with the lighting. You can do, you can show like another like form of imagery to like to like you know represent depersonalization like there's so many things you could do i just think every every single case of like um sexual assault of in this movie franchise is lazy but i also think that's the point so in that case i don't have too much of a problem with it i'm not going to like be like oh this is like the best way to go about it because like i do understand in the nature of exploitation films the whole point is that they are campy and peaceful. Oh, but I, I don't know. I, I don't think that first one was lazy. Mm. Matsu, like, show through the glass floor and we're just looking at the men. Oh, yeah. And then afterwards. Yeah, this one, it was even too bad, too, because I thought they really betrayed it as really brutal, especially afterwards. When she's, like, laying on the ground just crying and that fucking asshole detective's, like... Hey, do you want us not to tell anybody, everybody about this? Do this thing for us. Let Matsu escape. I thought they made it super horrific in like a super uncomfortable way. I was like, why even include this scene? Like, it just makes it was the only scene like that in this whole movie. And they made it super dark. I was like, ooh, this is really unpleasant. I don't know. I, I I feel like in the in the other movies, when they had these kind of scenes, it was for more of a purpose. Yeah. Like when that one girl. Who was kind of the sweet prisoner in the second movie got attacked by those guys on the bus and we had like that scene where all the blood came like as a waterfall even though that was a really grotesque scene i thought they followed it up well this one it just like that character we never see her again she lets matsu escape and then that's it she never gets any sort of vengeance or no one avenges her it was just kind of like she just has to live with that now <laughs> it's like yikes but yeah, no, the, yeah, this movie, just super, un this, the whole prison sequence I thought was really unsatisfying. There's that whole thing where Matsu goes into that prisoner who's like, I've accepted my fate, and I've, like, uh, become really religious, because that's the only thing that helps me through. And Matsu's just like, you're gonna die, and, like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> I didn't get the point of that either. Well, it, it went with, uh, it went with... It almost seemed like she was trying to turn her on her side and, and escape again. And you can escape. And I'm like, you realize that you've escaped prison like three times in, in these past three movies. Maybe it's not three times. And I think, no, they, they actually made a point of like how many escape attempts she made. Like 28 attempts. Yeah, 28. Eight actual like escapes. So. Yeah, what a badass. <laughs> yeah, indeed, but you keep getting caught, so it's like, is it worth it, though? I guess for freedom, the, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying stay in the same place, but, like, is it worth it in the end? Hey, look what happens to her when she's in prison. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. There's nowhere safe. Literally, just, go, just, just maybe bite the bullet and die. 
That's then like nobody can do anything to you. Maybe, maybe. No, no, no. She's got to live. That's not true. That's she's sorry that. But another curious thing about this movie is because of course we eventually Matsu gets imprisoned again, but now we have a prison that's filled with only female guards and only female warden. Um, I didn't really like. I thought they kind of did something with that, like when Matsu escapes again and all the men are like, "We're gonna hold you responsible to the warden." And that fucking asshole detective who planned Matsu's escape just kind of smiles at her, the, the warden's demise. Like, I was like, is he such a misogynist that he can't stand to even see one of these women holding any sort of position of power? I thought it was interesting that we had an all-female prison staff. Because the first two movies, at least, the prison guards were almost like an epitome of the uh, male authority. But this movie kind of put that on its head in a weird way that didn't really make sense to me do you guys get what i'm trying to say there or no, i know what you mean this 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 movie is like has two ideas of like okay we have we have kudo and his like student revolution and his flashbacks were interesting like just they they did a different mm. thing with the flashbacks where they did i guess traditional flashbacks obviously in black and white and not the interesting flashbacks they did with matsu back in the first film which i almost prefer uh, we only just saw the flashbacks of like the riot happening and him getting interrogated by the cops and the same detective. And then there's the other side with the female-led prison. And it's almost like they were like, ah, we can't like sustain one or the other, so let's just combine them both. This really could have just been two movies. Unless this is these are both from the comics. I, I have no idea. There's just so much about this movie that just... I, I don't know what to say about it. I wrote all these notes, too, and I was like... At the end of every one, I was like, I, I don't know... I don't know what to think with this one. I, I didn't feel like I had a lot to say about the third movie either. But this one in particular, it's just like, it's such a curious and unsatisfying movie. And it feels yeah. like it's very much like separated into three parts too, which is strange. Like it's almost like episodic in a way. I think this would be way, way better in like a TV series. I think that would be way better. At least they'd be more tolerable as like watching viewable media for sure. Um, one thing I did want to say um, in this film uh, the choreography bits at the end um, when everything kind of resolves so so one thing I really like about this film um, the depiction of the gallows Mm -hmm. I think that's a really strong image the fact that it's just gallows on the top of stairs and everyone has to clean it and like it's given like it's given like some power some finality to it I really do like it yeah, especially the one that the detective takes Matsu to. Oh yeah, that's that's the personal gallows for Matsu. Um, what I don't like is the like the the very literal visual gymnastics um, that had to have happened when Matsu was switching places. So it was not her neck in the gallows, but it was the cop's neck in the gallows. Oh. That was terrible. Yeah. That was absolutely like. <laughs> Awful. That was that is, I can accept some bad choreography, Ugh. but that was that didn't earn it. That that did not earn that that kill. It did not. There was no connective tissue. It just was occurring. It was just like um, with that whole sequence at the beginning when Matsu gets imprisoned by those guys in the car. She's like handcuffed to one dude, and suddenly she like unhandcuffs her, and she pulls out a a flower knife and like stabs this guy and suddenly she's out of the car and running away 
And I was just like, wait, how are all those cops around her? And then suddenly she manages to escape. There was like 12 guys chasing her and she still manages to escape. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And he just felt like a director who had no sense of the space he was working in. It's very unusual. <laughs> the, the fact that she dodged his gunfire or he clearly shot his gun at her and like completely missed point blank. Like I'm, I don't know, that, that made me just go, what? Yeah, and it's been, it's been like three years since I watched the behind the scenes on this disc. But I know that Meiko Kaju is not happy with this film or the last film. Oh, and that's why she didn't return for the next one that they put out, which um, they put out, I think, four years later. A new Prisoner Scorpion, they call it, <laughs> Cell Block X. So, yeah, she, she was frustrated with these past two movies completely, and so she was done. And I haven't seen that fifth one. I'd, I'd really love to, but I haven't been able to find a copy of it, so. I mean, there's always other ways. Yeah, you know me. I'm a, I'm a weirdo stickler these days that's fine so. that's and i stick to your stick to your morals that's totally fine <laughs> it's not even morals i don't care <laughs> i'm sure most of the people who make money f- who made that movie are dead now so <laughs> hey you don't know that but yeah so yeah was that when the the other the spiritual person who had a meltdown uh prisoner when she had a meltdown and she got hung is that how is that how nooses work i thought they just keep the person like held up that's the whole point is that it's suffocation no, this, it's meant to break your neck. It's meant to break your neck. I guess break your neck, but it, it unraveled for some reason. I'm like, somebody didn't tie it up properly. Oh, yeah. Well, I think I think what happened was, oh, uh, no one knew how to do an actual noose knot. <laughs> oh. And so, and so it's like, oh, okay, so we got to make it look like one, I suppose, for this shot. And then it wasn't. And I don't know. It was... It was strange. Well, then, it, was for- it was definitely strange. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. I was like, uh. that explains the ending then. Yeah. What I think what I think about this film and what I think is the best word to describe it is clumsy. Mm. Because there's a lot of attempts to try to get back to like the first film or like try try to make references, some visual like imagery here and there, some choreography. Like I, I want to give credit where credit's due. I do think it was a stronger attempt than the last film. Um, there were some like visual things, like the lighting when um, when the cop brings Matsu to to the personal gallows, and mm. um, the scene where like Matsu gets to be in her all black suit again, and like they're in the theater cinema thing, and she gets to kill Kudo or whatever. I think those shots were very very cool, um, but like everything about the choreography, <laughs> the score. Oh. Um, the kind of mental images, the metaphors, the similar, like, it's just, it's, it's all clumsy. I don't think it would, this franchise can ever recover from, like, from, like, where they came from. No. The first film was by far the strongest. Yeah. Well, I, I like that second film, but <laughs> I understand why oh. people don't. Um, or at least don't like it as much. But yeah, the score, oof. I don't know what was going on with the score in this one. It feels like a late 70s, like, Godzilla movie. Yeah, in the very last scene, there was, like, this weird, like, like synthesizer piano going on in the background, along with, like, the regular, like, um, tempo drums and everything like that. And I was like, what's happening? <laughs> Is this someone's, like, playlist that they slipped onto, like, the director at the time? And, like, <laughs> please, put me in your, please put me in your, like, your expectation film or whatever. Like it was very, it was very. Everything about this film was very strange, and 
Mm-hmm. I don't think it was necessarily like the most awful watch. I think it was just not worth my time. Yeah, I honestly did feel bad when I was watching it, being like, oh, I, I, I almost feel bad that I included this one in the first three. Because I always thought this was kind of a weird, like, um, addendum to the franchise. Like, it feels mm. completely out of tone, I think, with the first three. Even though that third one's a little bit off as well. This one in particular just feels like... I don't know, it just feels like out of step with the other three. Mm. So, I, I almost felt bad including it with you guys. <laughs> just like when I did the Exorcist franchise <laughs> a little while ago, I felt bad including the two prequels. Because Oof. those two also don't feel in step with the first three at all. But... <laughs> I'll add to your I'll add to your uh, description of this, Michaela. It's not clumsy; it's irritatingly clumsy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really absolutely. hope that this is not what John Wick Four looks like, because no. oh boy, there already like there's already some like strikes against it with three, but whew, oh boy, I, I hope this is not that. Hey, what did you know about John Wick Three? Hey, maybe maybe we'll do those movies too, because uh, you like those, Michaela. Lots of people did not like John Wick Three. No, wait, I wait, what? Yeah, a lot of people didn't like John Wick 3. I love John Wick 3. I thought the choreography was... It was campy. It was so much... Okay, we can talk about some <laughs> Yeah, let's save this. I'd actually love to cover those movies, so... <laughs> um, but I do have one more note that I would be remiss not to mention. Okay. So, um, in the prison, there's that one scene where there, one prison guard is like looking through like a male kind of like nudie magazine. Do you guys remember that? Which I was like, yes, finally, we get some of that. That's that's good. Yeah, there was like one shot with like a guy wearing a shirt looking back and he had a pretty nice ass. I was like, hey, there you go. Um, <laughs> but the guard who's doing that actually had a moment uh, in uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. She was an actress in that. Uh, there's a oh. scene in that when these two explorers go and visit like a native tribe and they just start handing out oh, cigarettes. No. Oh, no. <laughs> and they hand out two cigarettes to this little kid and they're like, don't tell your mom. And the little kid holds the two cigarettes and his mom grabs one of them. Uh, that prison guard played the mom who grabbed the second cigarette. So I just had to call oh. that out because I was like, hey, it's my buddy. In brown red face? In, yeah, kind of brown face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oof. It's a different time, you know, it's 62, I mean. <laughs> 62, he says. It's a different time, but yeah, she was in King Kong vs. Godzilla, which is a film I love, which we mean me and you, Isaac, we saw in the theater. So, but anyway, let's get back to that this was stuff. Something else, anyway. <laughs> I, like, I like how the marker of this film, or like our opinion of this film, is solidified by the fact that we can't stop <laughs> talking about other films. We just have to segue into other ones. We just have to, because like there's just nothing to kind of bite down on in this one. Okay, you know what? Let's first off, I wonder if there's anybody in the world who likes this film. And if they exist, I actually want to know your opinion. I, I I would like to hear why, like your your thesis, your your theory on like what this film means, uh, like a whole video essay of, of the philosophy of it. I'd love to see that. I yeah. should have looked it up, but I obviously have not because it's here now. Yeah, email us at the novice latest oh, at gmail.com. <laughs> I haven't brought that out in a while. If they watched it by itself or like was like they were very into like a whole series and like dissected it on YouTube and a YouTube essay, whatever, yep. then sure, whatever. But I think it's impossible to like the first film and then like this film. I think that's impossible. I have to agree with you on that because if you've seen the other three or at least the first one, as you said, but I still say other three, 
Yeah, I see through too. There is a there is a standard that these films have. Whether people agree or not, there's a standard that should be at least held. And this film doesn't feel like that. Yeah, the the third film, Love It or Hate It, still carries that kind of weird surrealist vibe to it. Yeah. Even yeah. if it doesn't really work, this film feels grounded to the point that it doesn't feel like it's in the same universe for me. Like it feels like a weird kind of, and I, that from what I've heard, that's what the rest of the movies are like, besides the ones that are just softcore porn. Oh yeah, I forgot that. Or where they're just kind of like, just more of a straight adaptation of the comic. The first three, as much as I've read of the comic at least, are like nothing like them. They're all set in a prison. They all have Monsu kind of like pulling the strings kind of behind the scenes in a way where she's just doing random stuff to people and the guards don't notice but that's all that i really saw in the comics i didn't really see them leave the prison at all so i'll certainly want to read would you recommend caleb by the way after these four movies we've seen would you recommend highly recommend the comics um not not particularly there's some nice art but i've only read the first i think seven volumes and they're fun but they're nowhere near as good as like the first or second movie, I think. They don't quite have as much depth to them. Have they ended their run? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I believe yeah. they ended it in the 70s. So. <laughs> Do you know how many volumes there were? Wow, I think there was like maybe like 30 or 40. So it went on for a long time. But yeah, I, I wasn't super pulled in. Like I'll probably continue to read them, but very sporadically. So... Uh, it, yeah, it's not a high recommend. Definitely not. All right, to finish this off because this is gonna be it, and I'd at least like to get the video to, or at least us talking about it to at least an hour. I know you guys don't want to, but here, let's let's try this. Aww. <laughs> we have all the sets, we have all the actors, we have same production team, everything, same director, but you're the scriptwriter. Let's do it again. Same budget. What do you do? instead with all these pieces that you have jesus christ <laughs> these are very difficult questions to answer isaac it certainly is and i'm doing it on the spot which is awful and usually you i would give you know we give forethought for knowledge beforehand like you know for knowledge of your death <laughs> or when your hanging happens I'll, I'll take the uh the, the biscuit or whatever i'm drunk <laughs> um I actually think it was a great idea to try to humanize Matsu in this third film. And I even think it's a good idea to have the romance element turn around and betray her. I think the whole derailment of her going to the prison and just wasting like 15 minutes on complete bullshit is what ruined the movie for me. Like, I kind of like the romance. It just didn't... Like, when, when she finally gets to him to kill him... He's got, like, this other chick that he's with, and he seems like he's, like, totally fine. And I was like, what the fuck is this? I mean, I thought he was like, oh, Matsu, you humanized me after years of being, like, a shell of a person. And now suddenly he's just dating this other chick. I was like, what the fuck? I actually looked at that scene differently, because that was the chick that ratted them all out. Um, oh, the was it? Yeah, it was. Oh, I did not notice that. So I feel like she kind of had control over him, in a way, if you know what I mean. Where she may, I don't know if she, like, she has nothing to bargain with on him or has nothing over against him, but I, I feel like he just is in shame and he's a shell of his former self, and so he's just doing, he's he's either dating her or he's letting her 
have her or have him, basically, if you know what I mean. Huh. That's how I saw it. Yeah, maybe I would have... I, I did not notice that it was the same person from the prison. But oh, not prison. It was, I mean, the beginning. Uh, the same woman from oh, the beginning that, oh, that okay. uh, <laughs> stitches them out. Oh, yes. Okay. Sure. Okay. Whoops. My bad. <laughs> no, no. That was, that was my fault. Well, let's see. What would I have done with this film? I would have certainly wanted to see more of what uh, Kudo's plot would have been like and what his idea of, like, let's strike back at them. Would I have kept the scene where they, like, kidnapped the pregnant wife? I mean, <laughs> I thought that was going to go somewhere, and then they threw her out of the apartment. I'm like, yeah, of course they did. That still got me, and I'm just like, I don't know if I agree with that or not. Yeah, even that fucking shitty cop didn't seem that affected. Ah, like, exactly. Like, oh, He's shit, my wife. That's even more reason to get Matsu. It's not your wife. It's your pregnant wife. Yeah, it just did. Yeah, that did not work. But I will say about that, <laughs> the wife scene, um, when they cut to her phone, I was like, God damn, I really want that phone. Did you guys notice that? <laughs> I thought so as well. I was going to ask you about that phone if you liked it or not. I mean, it's it doesn't beat the bad oh, phone. yeah. But it's still a pretty cool yeah, good phone. Yeah, because I need a new phone for my buzzer. Because the one I got is really shitty and plain. And so I've been looking around, like, should I get a burger phone? Like, should I get, like just some shitty phone oh just get the bat phone but, come on yeah if i can get the bat phone i'll buy that but <laughs> pretty sure it's readily available somewhere readily available oh boy oh boy anyway yeah what would i i'd certainly try to tie uh matsu and kudo's relationship a lot harder or, or sorry more stronger excuse me mm. and and relate some of the student riots that he was talking about more into the film because that seemed like an interesting angle to go at. Like, student riots. Like, okay, that's... Yeah, yeah that's something absolutely. real world. But, like, you could maybe do a connection between, like, the female prisoners and how, they, and how like, Matsu was uh, ruined by the police and the same thing with students and how the police um, oppressed them. Like, there's, there's something there, at least. And I would have gone with that. And, again, I want to know what his plan was. Like, I, I'd love to have known what he was doing. Yeah, and I, I thought it was really interesting because, of course, there's that scene where that woman's like, oh no, like, you're ruined down there. I feel like that should have been brought up during the sex scene with Matsu. Yeah, it should have. It, it totally should have. Yeah, I didn't... I was like, are they forgetting something? Or is it not as bad as that person let on? I was confused there. Which I thought meant why he was so asexual, if that makes sense, or even aromantic. But obviously he wasn't when he fell for Matsu, but... You're talking about Kudo? Yeah. Wasn't his whole thing that he was castrated or they fucked up his dick? That's what I thought, but then he yeah. fucks Matsu, or I guess fucks is a little bit harsh, but they uh, make love or whatever. whatever. <laughs> you think you have sex. That's, that's the truth. That's there what happens. Go. That's better. <laughs> also weird that we didn't see Matsu naked. I know that's probably dirty of me to say, but like we, we see a lot of other like female nudity, but we don't see her naked at all. That's interesting. Yeah, from from the extras I remember, because I watched all the extras when I bought these discs, but I haven't watched them since. But I remember that she kind of complained about the nudity, like she wasn't super happy doing it. Okay. And so once she got Shunya Ito out, because she was kind of the one who got him out of the franchise, I think she was kind of like, I don't want to do nudity anymore either. So, <laughs> you know, fair enough. I mean. Oh yeah, no, it's it's her call if she doesn't want to or not. It just it felt weird. Because we've seen her nude before in the 
previous films, am I saying I want her to see her nude? No, it's just they would usually not shy away from that. And when they shied away from it, that was what caught me off guard. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. I thought they would show her more, and I thought we'd get a more intimate love scene, but I guess not. Fair enough. Did you hear my question, Michaela, earlier, by the way? Yes, okay, yes, sorry. Yes. Sorry about that. No, 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 don't worry. So I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering, so I have the exact same budget, can I cut stuff out? Like, what are the parameters again? Uh, you can, uh, so you have same budget, you see same actors, you have same sets, uh, almost same everything, but you can rewrite the script. Oh my god, okay, so first film, stay as it is. I think that's fine. Uh, this is only the fourth film, film, by the way, sorry. The, only the fourth <laughs> film. Oh, fuck, are you joking? I'm, that, that's what I'm saying. This is literally, like... The, the four, let's do it again fourth film um okay i would go well first off you get to keep the title that's that's another thing okay yeah, yeah. gertrong is a really good one yep i think i would start it off with the fact that matsu and kudo have already been in an established relationship Ooh. and we understand they are both like kind of outsiders who have both been terrorized by the police and they are trying to make a life for themselves and they've been together for a very long while I think I would start it off like that. Be like, okay, she finally got out of there. She's finding her own little piece in the world, a little bit of peace in her own world. This is good. And we kind of that way it kind of reinforces the romantic interest, the romantic plotline a little bit. Just because it's like, oh, okay, Kudo is someone that we can trust because Matsu trusts him and th that stuff, you know? Um, and then I think we would introduce like the detective and their obsession with trying to hunt down Matsu. Um, and then just kind of like this manhunt for Kudo to get to Matsu. Um, and then... Uh, I would get rid of like the whole thing with his mom. Like, I mean, it depends. If I want the story to be like super sympathetic to Kudo, yeah, I would include it and maybe ham it up. If I didn't, I would just have Kudo fucking be a... be a... limp piece of grass and just like... <laughs> Dang, and just, dick. Just, yeah, yeah. Like, just, just be you know, totally sell Matsu out despite the fact that they have lived together for multiple years. I think that would have been a stronger point of just, like, betrayal. Um, and then none of this weird choreography bullshit. Where <laughs> none of that. Not, like, I don't think she would have to go back to jail. <laughs> I think I think that was really strange. I really did like the return to jail um, as a recall to, like, the last ones. But, like, maybe... I don't even know in that sense. I actually really do like the prison, so maybe scrap that. Um, and then I would make the gallows scene where the cop dies as short as possible. I would just have, like, at this point, I would just have Matu, like, gank him, you know? There we go. And then I would spend way more time at the end expanding, like, how could you betray me? Like, that whole, that angle. So it's, so it kind of has a little bit more intrigue. And then when it ends, then it's like Matsu either realizes that she can't trust anyone in the world and it's like very full of dread and despair or it's very hopeful and like oh she goes off it's very much a wild west kind of thing going on i'd buy that for a dollar right what, right what did you guys think about the scene where she kills kudo it was like a dance i kind of liked it yeah i did like the choreography of it but did you think it was satisfying her him being like Oh, I hope you forgive me. And she's like, it's the Matsu who loved you, killed you. I think that's fine. I think that's fine. I didn't have any particular problems with it. I think it was flaccid. I think it could have been a way more campy than it than it was, which was surprising to say about the franchise. <laughs> oh, campy. I thought it could have been more fulfilling than it than it was. Not so much campy, but I, I feel like that could have been sold a lot better. But 
Yeah, just the fact that we left him for like 25 minutes. Maybe it wasn't that long. It felt like it was that long, but... <laughs> uh, I think it was around that time, because every, once we were in the prison, I was like, okay, are we going back to Kudo anytime soon? Like, I'm not trying to yeah, get us away from fuck? this, but, like, you set him up, so therefore, like, I want to see him end. Like, if he has an ending or not. Like, obviously, in the third movie, we didn't have an ending, or we didn't see that lady who threw the boiling water on her cheating husband, uh, you know, after the fact, but she was a side character. She didn't need, she, that yeah. was her story, you know, straight to the end. Maybe she did stuff after that. I have no idea. But like Kudo was in like half the movie. So like we kind of expect to see him have an ending of some sort. Yeah. He was the second half of their Bonnie and Clyde routine that they're pulling. Which I thought that was going to go in that direction. I was like, oh, we're doing a Bonnie and Clyde thing. That's, that's interesting. I thought the same way. And I adore movies like that. I mean, I've mentioned to you, Isaac, many, many times, uh, Wild at Heart is a film that I love that's kind of in that vein. There's the uh, Terrence Malick film Badlands, which is very much in that vein that I love. Even, like, True Romance, the uh, Tarantino script, at least. Uh, I, so, so I love that kind of movie. I was really hoping it would go that way, but unfortunately not, because that stupid prison sequence. But <laughs> So, yeah, it, it, I wish the whole prison sequence was gone from this movie. I really don't feel like it had anything at all. I really, really like the return to um, the prison garb, the introduction of the warden and the lady uniforms. I really enjoy that. But other than that, like, literally, it's just the costumes. <laughs> the costumes in prison fucking are awesome. Well, that, that's fair. I've never loved women in prison flicks. There's just, usually they're too filled with rape that I just find them super unpleasant. And that is the the sequence where we do get that horrible rape scene. So I mean, I guess that kind of adds to my point. But yeah, I just wish that whole sequence was gone and they just fully focused on her and Kudo. That'd be mm. my let's do it again. Mm. Which, by the way, if you're missing the reference, Michaela, that's a reference to a channel that me and Isaac like called Geek Pollution, where they kind of like look at movies and like, okay, what do we gonna, what what should we have done here? Let's like rewrite the whole plot. So. <laughs> That's what he was saying there. <laughs> uh, but I guess, do you guys have much else, or should we go into final thoughts here? Final thoughts. Final thoughts. I hated it. I was so excited to watch the rest of this franchise after the first film, and then the second film was really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, just kind of. But that's where like it kind of started to wobble a little bit. Um, and then I think I am just so frustrated by the experience that, like, I think I would just tell people to watch the first film, and that's it. Like, that's that's what the rest of the franchise did, to my opinion, of this franchise. Oh, interesting. Hmm. You, Isaac? I mean, I got something, but I'm just going to save it, and it'll be, like, the final thing, and then sure. I'm done. So you go ahead, sir. Yeah, for me, I, I still love the first two. The third film, I think, is interesting in parts, but overall is not satisfying and that's the same way that i feel about this film except i would still go back and rewatch the third film whereas this one i probably wouldn't go back to there's just not enough to hold on to matsu herself doesn't really feel like the same character i don't think especially near the end when she starts like talking a fuck ton which seems completely out of character for her but even the world itself feels different which is strange and yeah, nothing's really satisfying here, so I'd just say, yeah, just fuck this one. Kind of just don't watch it. That's my... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isaac? 
This movie is evil. Every <laughs> villain is lemons. Super sour and unpleasant to the taste, or, or what are you saying there? No, that's a SpongeBob reference. Clearly, one I'm missing. Did you did you get it, Michaela? <laughs> or is it super obscure? Wait, what was the reference? <laughs> evil. Every villain oh. is lemons, which we see in this movie. I don't know that. Reference yeah, you know, time. you've lost us both. Is that an acronym? Like, it's an acronym. Every, yes. Every good boy deserves fudge, like that kind of thing. Yes, I haven't thought about oh, that I in see. a long time. Actually, does every boy deserve fudge? Well, not the boys in these films. These films, uh, they don't deserve no fudge. They instead deserve mud. <laughs> deserve to eat mud. Yeah, deserve to be drowned in mud and dead. Because, yeah, most of the men in this film, except for Kudo, I mean, I understand what happened with Kudo. Every other man, just like the rest of this franchise, just fuck them. Just burn them to death. <laughs> like, bunch of pieces of shit, every single one. When was this movie released again? I think this one was 1973. Okay, so this movie was uh, used in the tunnel sequence of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I knew it. Well, that was 74, I thought. But... Exactly. So perfect. <laughs> they literally, like, you know, horrible things go through that, in, are in that tunnel, right? Well, this movie's in that tunnel. Yeah, which is what this scene where I always turn it off when I was a kid and I get so scared. <laughs> God, I love that movie. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Okay, I want to stop talking about this, and I want to pick a bone with Isaac. What the fuck didn't you like about John Wick 3? Because <laughs> I know it, it has, like, some <sighs> Michaela, I know, I know we talked about doing video drum next. Maybe we should do those movies, because I don't even remember John Wick 3. <laughs> John Wick 3 has dog assassins. What do you not like about John Wick 3? <laughs> I remember loving that scene, and I remember loving the scene with those, like, those guys in, like, the bank area. Like their shotguns, I thought that was super cool, but I do not remember it. Besides oh, that, there's a lot of cool action set pieces, but by the end of the movie, like when both bosses from the raid series show up and like just start kicking and showing <laughs> uh, that Keanu Reeves, unfortunately, I forgot to mention that there's one shot in in this movie in in Grudge Song where Kudo looks like Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Hilariously <laughs> enough, I was just like, "What is with my facial recognition software? Like, I can't." I can't not see it, but like I, I couldn't unsee it the entire time. Like it's just Keanu Reeves is Kudo, great. That's what they'll be when the American remake happens. They'll just have you know Keanu Reeves BS. Like oh god, I don't want to see that. I wanted to rank them, but I guess it's pretty fucking. Obvious. Oh yeah, actually that's a good. Idea. Yeah okay okay yeah that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, 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 yeah that's fair. Okay okay. 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 Uh, Michaela, you start first. I would I would do one two four three. How about you, Isaac? I would do. Mm, that's, I actually would just go in the same the uh, chronological order, just one, two, three, four. Wow. Okay. Keep in mind, three is not like near four. It's kind of around like one and two, but then four is like at the bottom of Mariana's trench. <laughs> yeah, like a steep decline for you to the four. Yep, basically. Yeah, I'm in a similar place, except I would go two, just because I love just how completely out there it is. It's got a feeling all to its own. The first film, as much as I really enjoy it, is not that off from some of the really good women in prison flicks, which is not a genre that I love, but I feel like that movie really stands out as one of the unique ones. Um, and then I would put three. I do like three to some extent. I like parts of it. It just, as a whole, doesn't quite work. But four, yeah, I mean, that's like a steep decline. That's at the bottom of the hill. It's just an addendum that's not really worth seeing, but... 
if you see it, you might be like, Mako Kaji's still good, and she's still super attractive, so it's entertaining to watch just because she's in it. So yeah, I guess that's it for the franchise. Cheers for you guys for coming along with this journey with me. I mean, I know, Isaac, you indulge me in so much, <laughs> but I'm glad that you finally got to see these movies after years of me building them up for you. Which I completely forgot about. <laughs> Even though I've mentioned them so many times to you, but it's understandable. I mentioned so many things to you. That's fair. <laughs> but thank you for bringing me on here with, with this down this journey of films. It didn't end great. Let's hope another road you take me down will end better. Um, but I, I guess it has opened me to the possibility of doing more exploitation films because that's exciting. Like one, one dream of me, you, I've, I've told you this before, but one dream of mine would, I don't want to say love to, but it'd be fascinating to do a documentary on uh, exploitation films and see like the behind the scenes of how they're made and what goes into making them and, and where the stories come from. And to do that, I kind of need to look at more exploitation films and you certainly would make that documentary more than I would, but I don't know it's just it's with documentaries we don't have something like that when we have all these like you know big controversial uh, topics nowadays. This one's not brought up about uh, much surprisingly, for for good reason of course. Well, to to be honest, not to insult you, Isaac, but I feel like maybe you haven't seen a lot of the documentaries about them. <laughs> I guess there are documentaries that do exist, don't they? Yeah. For for example, I mention all the time about Last House on the Left. Oh. How there's definitely scenes in that movie, Michaela. I don't know if you've seen that. Yes. Yeah. There's some stuff in that movie that's super duper uncomfortable once you once you know the behind the scenes about how much the actresses actually gave consent to what was being filmed. So there's there's lots of documentaries about ex- exploitation films and about how much they were kind of playing fast and loose with the rules and what exactly they were doing so you, you just kind of gotta seek it out and, and there's so many bonus features available these days especially with things like aero video they give you a lot of really cool insight onto how exploitation films are made but anyway yeah uh, again I'm, I'm super happy you came on for these Michaela it was really nice to have you on the show for the first time likewise <laughs> and, uh, any last words Isaac <laughs> till next time peace I get it. I get it. This...
We, we live in the worst timeline. I get it. I, I fully get it. Okay, this is... Hey, the timeline of this movie seems worse. Cops are bad, but that doesn't mean that, like, the criminals aren't bad either, okay? Like, both sides are wrong. I... Well, I mean... I'm not even saying... I'm not even talking, like, the movie itself. <laughs> I'm talking real life here. I get it, okay? Evan, hasn't anybody thought that everybody's wrong? Like, everybody itself is wrong? Like, we're so limited in what we can do. Like, good, I, I get it, fine. I, this is the same thing I felt with in... <laughs> Uh, what is it? The the third Street Fighter movie where the back and forth kept happening over and over again. Oh, I was yeah. getting tired of it. Except at the end it justified itself slightly, even though I said that at the end, but it was frustrating to get there. It's the middle part. As I get it, the middle part of the story. You can either have like a good opening and a and a, a great ending, but like the middle's always the hard part. Some people are like, oh, you can forget about that. It's it doesn't really matter because the end and the beginning of it. I get it, fine. Sir sure. Yeah, this this movie it, it sent you on a rage. Jeez, I haven't seen it like this. In, uh... It's not even. I'm fifty twenty. That's that's like where I'm at, and I, I get the not. I get the rock they're like trying to beat me with, but it's like, golly, I get it. Authoritarianism is bad. Like, oh, we can't because we're stuck in the same system. I get. Uh... Wait, did you say you didn't finish the movie? I said I'm only fifty minutes and twenty seconds, and I'm just like. Yeah, what are you doing here, man? What are you doing here? Well, that's what I'm just saying. Like, I was going to come in here and tell you guys, like, okay, I'm I'm almost done. 30 minutes left. Not really exactly. But, like, but I just, I literally had a moment where I, I could not. To, and then, Since you haven't watched the, we're finished watching the movie, should I turn off the recording here? I mean, maybe I'd. Oh, golly. This this will be funny. You just finally, like, Isaac loses it. It's like, well, duh. Hey, I mean, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's not the first time. I mean, you can talk about what, what you watch, what you watch so far, and I think the fact that you had to stop says more about your feelings about the movie than, like, you know, actually finishing the movie and being like, okay, this is how I felt. Well, I mean, I stopped it only because I was going to move to my uh, recording location. That's actually the only reason why I just happened to stop at when they like capture her again at the uh, the, the the car junkyard, mm. and the the detective goes on another monologue of like, oh yes, we have you. And, this and i have a big cock and i'm the bad guy but you also killed my uh wife and stuff and we have your boyfriend who that whole sex scene shouldn't have happened that way it should have been the other way around oh, let's, that, yeah let's, and let's she hold also doesn't here. talk again for this whole movie and like one line of like oh hey there they are uh-huh. like, are you kidding me why like yeah maybe we should wait till you finish the the movie here because i mean fair yeah. enough <laughs> uninformed of course but Sorry guys, I'm sorry. I just I had to I had to allow some steam. Oh no no, don't don't even worry about it. I hope you guys have had a better day than I have. Okay. Back to the movie. Let's do a live commentary. Okay. Oh, what? that's scary. <laughs> Can't forgive them. Oh, you're watching it right now? <laughs> Literally watching it right now. I'll turn off the, the recorder then we okay. can uh, start this up proper after. different time but yeah she was in king kong vs godzilla which is a film i love which we mean me and you isaac we saw in the theater so I, okay i almost had a brain fart i'm like have we covered that on on our retrospective and no we Not haven't yet eventually okay yeah i'm just <laughs> confused by that sorry about that yeah we'll get to it eventually it's on the randomizer eventually so. yeah whenever that stinking random randomizer works we gotta install some more like i think i might have a buddy who could come install some uh wires and that will kind of cheat uh the algorithm whoa what cheating come on it's meant to be a randomizer come yeah on. i know but get away from that getting <laughs> some films before some other ones i'm not saying i want all the crappy ones beforehand but i kind of want some of the more obscure ones to come in before the 
more memorable well, this, ones. This is going in the extra, but I mean, we did just cover King Kong or Kong, uh, King of Atlantis. So I mean, talk about fucking random. That was something else, anyway. I like, I like how the marker of this film, or like our opinion of this film, is solidified by the fact that we can't stop <laughs> talking about other films. You just have to segue into other ones. We just have to, because like, there's just nothing to kind of bite down on in this one. Yeah, if you guys want to do those next, I'd be more than happy to watch them. So. I just... The- I will fight. I will fight. I, I think I will fight. He goes into the fight. desert, <laughs> is absolved, apparently, of all his sins, like, you know, cuts his finger off, and then oh, goes yeah. and shouldn't all like shouldn't everybody know this now like shouldn't the whole underworld know that he's amended of all sins no but here's the thing here's the thing no because that's the high table and what we thought what i assumed of the of like the the patriarchal failure i forgot what his fucking name was the elder i think this thing is that he is so like he is from he is so old and so inscribed with the myth of uh, assassination and assassinhood that like like the high table kind of operates differently, like kind of like the same way that the Roman Catholic Church and the, like here in America and like the Pope kind of operate on two different systems, okay. even though they kind of come from the same origin. That was my logic using it. So I was like, yeah, like Keanu Reeves is absolved of this, but the high table. Is, I'm sorry if this is like really good material for whatever we were. Yeah, we we need to save this because I'm I'm absolutely baffled. Well, even still, I. I've only seen them all once. Every that's, single one that's of them. Same theory. Same here. <laughs> Except for I think I've seen the first one twice. But with that scene with the Grandmaster, whatever his name is, pardon me. The Grandmaster is. I just I can't help but think it's it's to Assassin's Creed. Like John Wick is so Assassin's Creed, but modern day. In fact, I think it's what the Assassin's Creed franchise should become. If you if you ask me, well, my honest opinion. Not that I didn't enjoy that crappy movie. I think it was okay. Not that it wasn't terrible but okay so what what made you think that it wasn't a campy film the fact that like (laughs) keanu reeves got hit by a car in the first film and survived it was like it was like sort of believable in a way was it okay but then in the second film he had to fight common and they fell down a bunch of stairs was that more gritty and dark and and no they just just (laughs) expanded it for some reason they all of a sudden said like oh he's able to do superhuman things now even though you're right it's not even he got hit by a car. It's the fact that somebody threw him off a balcony and he landed like, you know, back first, which should have like, you know, stunned him yeah. like very yeah. much so, or at least done some internal bleeding and it didn't. So I was like, what the, what in the world is this? I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to fight. I think the that's- third one, the third one for Pitt's sake. Sorry, not even that. The The guy who played the Grandmaster, this is my original point. I like, I really enjoyed that actor's presence in what is it? Uh, what was he in? Uh, the guy in Wonder Woman. He's the guy who poses as different people. Uh, cool guy. I really like that actor. I think he was also in <laughs> G.I. Joe. Funny enough. Which I, I finally saw like on YouTube two trailers of Snake Eyes, which now has me excited for that movie just because it's about one character that I've never cared... Not... Care about like I've never cared for GI Joe, but like they're making they're doing that character, so it's like okay, let's let's see how that this this goes. Uh, I'm game for it. But sorry, randomly off that. I don't think that I don't think the guy who from Wonder Woman should have played the Grandmaster in this. I didn't think he was old enough. Like when I think of Grandmaster, I'm thinking like some ancient wrinkled old prune guy. Oh no, but he was not white. 
So and <laughs> yeah, I just and... I just think of the grandmaster of the KKK, unfortunately. I think he was called the elder. The elder. I would, sorry. I, okay. Pardon me. Yeah, but no, that doesn't dissolve your point. I do agree that it's someone older, but the fact that he was hot was okay. That's fine if he like if he was. If he was like his son or his like you know his eventual successor, I actually would have liked that. I actually would have really liked that angle if that was the case where the elder denies that and then denies John Wick and then uh, his his successor comes in and is like, "I hey John, I have an idea of how you might be able to get around this, but you have to do this." And it's like, "Ooh, that could have been cool." You know what's really funny? I think we mentioned John Wick in every single episode of this series that we've done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I and to be honest, Michaela, I don't actually think john wick's that great of an action series anyways i still prefer the raid series over this i don't i i, I understand that opinion i just think it's wrong and that's fair <laughs> you have <you're> <laughs> have you seen the raid movies michaela i have seen the raid movies interesting like those guys are much more talented i think we should make a we should make a we should make a podcast and a podcast it's where you bring me on as a guest and it's called let's fight starring michael lopez <laughs> i think and it's just where we talk about action films i think that's that idea hey we we still got to do the tuxedo i'm waiting for that i mean then we we talked about that in the second uh female prisoner scorpio movie so 